Hello everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen and this is the Bread of Life. This program is brought to you by Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about our ministry around the world, go to cpeonline.org or traincpe.org. Today we continue our turn into understanding what personal repentance looks like. After acknowledging our sins and the seriousness of our sins and our inability to save ourselves by any religious act or righteous deed, we have one more step to take in true repentance. God declares that our joy and satisfaction cannot be found in our self-directed lives, that our joy and satisfaction can be found in Him alone and our surrender to His will. We have to take up this argument and confess that He alone and obedience to Him alone will bring us true pleasure, joy, and satisfaction if we're going to repent. This is why people don't want to admit they're sinners, they don't want to admit their sin, and they don't want to admit that their self-righteous acts can't save them. Because that's the deal that they've made in order to continue to pursue their own satisfaction and their own security in themselves. I want the things that please me. I want the things that I delight in. I want my own sins. I don't want to give them up. So I won't admit that I'm a sinner. And if I do, I'm not that bad a sinner. And I won't think that my sins are that serious because I still want the pleasure of these things. And I won't stop trying to solve it myself because if I let God solve it, I become claimed by Him and by His call on my life. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25 teaches us that sin offers temporary pleasures says that we can enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. But God tells us that those pleasurable sins are ultimately hollow and empty, and they will not satisfy us, and they will disappoint us. More than that, they will leave us completely empty. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, God brings this argument against the people's source of satisfaction and security. They're cisterns. That's where they drink and satisfy themselves. That's what they drink to keep themselves nourished. It's their security and it's their satisfaction. And God says, My people have committed two evils in Jeremiah 2.13. They have forsaken the fountain of living waters and they've hewn out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. They've rejected the source of life and of joy and of satisfaction and of security and they've sought joy and satisfaction and security and that which ultimately cannot satisfy, cannot answer their need. It can give them a taste and a thrill of pleasure for a moment, but it's running fast on empty, and it's running out. You know what unbelievers think when a person becomes a Christian and decides to give their life to Jesus Christ? They believe that that person has decided that they're no longer going to come out and play that that person is just kind of standing in front of the picture window and he's looking out at the world and he's seeing all the fun that's going out there and he's thinking, boy, I wish I was out there, but he just doesn't have the guts to get out there anymore. He's afraid of life. He's hoping to buy some investment in eternity and as a result, he's willing to give up all of the joys and enjoyment and thrills of life in this world and it's just a gamble that he's making and really he's gutless and he's not willing to accept that you only go around once, whatever it is. The basic way to think is the person who's repented and given their life to Christ, is a person who just doesn't want to come out and play. Doesn't want to go out and indulge himself in the things that really satisfy and make life enjoyable. And they've just gotten religious, I think that's the word they say. But they're wrong. The person who has repented has completely changed their minds about what brings pleasure in life. They're not looking out the window nostalgically wishing they could be out there. 
tramping around with their friends. If they look out the window, they look out with sorrow for their friends, longing for their friends to come away from things that will come up empty and bring them into judgment. They're not somebody who's pining after old memories or old experiences or old sins. They're individuals who are released into the pleasure and joy and satisfaction and security of God's forgiveness and God's fellowship and God's relationship. Savior, if of Zion City, I through grace remember am, let the world deride her pity. I will glory in thy name. Fading is the worldling's pleasures, all his boasted pomp and show. Solid joys, lasting treasures, none but Zion's children know. That's a change of mind. That's a radical change of mind. The Christian is not some individual who is just stifling all of his desires and impulses for the things of this world, trying to reform and do the right thing. The Christian is an individual whose mind has been so radically changed that he is fast losing his taste for the things of the world. And he's rapidly gaining a taste for the things of God. He realizes this is where all of his pleasure is. This is what answers all the fulfillment of his life. This is what answers all of his satisfaction. We said this before, the reason that the world indulges into the pleasures of this world is not because they're too overwhelmed with desire and that their desires are too strong and too powerful. The reason they satisfy themselves with the things of the world is because their desires are too weak. They're like a dying individual who in a flailing impulse tries to grab hold of whatever life's available to them. The person who repents realizes that these things are shallow. They won't satisfy. I won't plunge myself in a puddle of temporary desires. I'll plunge myself in the infinite eternity and joy of the everlasting God. I want something deeper and more full than this. I want His life. The Christian is an individual who doesn't die to desire. He awakes to the fullness of desire that's found in Christ alone. And he repents of all those other things as empty and shallow and draining out of true life. We change our mind about all these things. We change our mind about ourselves. We change our mind about our sins. We change our mind about our self-righteousness. And we change our mind about what brings us satisfaction and security. It's all in God. We change our mind. That's radical. That's radical. Now, having said all that, here's three things I'll say to you. In light of that, let me quickly tell you three things that repentance is not in light of what we've just described. I got this from a wonderful little book called Eight Pillars of Salvation written by Harold Freely, who was a very godly man who was a mentor of my father's. And actually, when each one of us children were born and ready to be dedicated, he came to a different state in the United States to come and dedicate us to the Lord as children. I picked up his book a couple of weeks ago and began reading it, and that was it was that book and this one other book called Getting Evangelical Saved by Paris Reedhead that made me decide that this was a series that I wanted to preach on, that I had to preach on. And so I'll be quoting Reverend Freely, or if you find his book, I've taken these three points off of his pages almost entirely. First, repentance is not remorse. Repentance is not remorse. It's not just being sorry about your sins and the stain on your resume or sorry for the consequences that your sins have caused you or the consequences it's caused other people, or the shame it's brought upon you, or the shame it's brought upon other people. It's not remorse. Repentance is not remorse. Because it's possible to feel incredibly sorry for yourself and incredibly sorry for others because of your sins and what they have resulted in and yet still have no great will to turn away from those sins. 
The fact is, hell is full of remorseful sinners, but not repentant sinners. If you go to Luke chapter 16 and you read the story of the rich man who goes into hell and he's divided by a great chasm, it's this story that the Lord Jesus told on the other side was a poor man that begged outside his gate that was a person of true faith who is dwelling in Abraham's bosom and the rich man on the other side in Hades or hell cries across the chasm. He sees Father Abraham with Lazarus and he says, Father Abraham, send Lazarus over to dip his finger to touch my tongue because I'm in great torment. First thing you'll notice, he doesn't ask to get out of Hades. He doesn't even want to be removed from where he's at. He's where he wanted to be. Abraham says, no, we can't send Lazarus to you. You can't come to us. There's a chasm between the two of us and you can never pass from one place to the other. So the next thing he says is, then send somebody back to my brothers to warn them lest they come to this place of torment as well. I.e., if someone had come to me and warned me, I wouldn't be here myself. And he's still justifying himself. But what you hear is no repentance. You hear remorse. You hear regret. You hear weeping and gnashing and anguish. What you don't hear is repentance. Remorse is not repentance. Freely says words to these effect. Remorse is a dead-end street. Repentance is a highway to God's feet. Remorse looks at our sins only and their consequences to us. Repentance looks beyond our sins to God's provision for them at the cross. Remorse throws us back in upon ourselves. Why did I do that? What could I have done? What else can I do? Is it not too late for me? The deed is done. Repentance turns us around to God and His provision. Remorse can even make ourselves while at the same time we go on loving our sin in our own self-rule. Repentance makes us hate our sins and love our Savior all the more. They're different. Here's another one. Repentance is not making resolutions. It's not turning over a new leaf. The reason that a resolution is not repentance is that repentance involves an attitude that we have in the presence of God and towards God, while a resolution involves an attitude we have towards ourselves, facing ourselves and our failures and what we want to see happen. See, before God in repentance, we see Him and we see that our sins are monstrous. But when we just turn towards ourselves, We are someone who simply resolves that we'll overcome what we've done by doing a better job next time. When we are before God, we see our sins as demanding for us a whole new life. And so we say, God, through Jesus, come and change me and make me something that is new and completely yours. But for ourselves, when we look at our sins, we just want a second chance to prove ourselves. Before God, we abandon ourselves and we fall on the cross and on the Lord Jesus Christ alone as our only hope. Before ourselves, we make promises to buy ourselves just one more chance, a little more time. Repentance is not making a resolution to reform and be better the next time. We've seen it with our children, haven't we? Give me another chance, give me another chance. Well, that's fine, I'm glad that they want another chance, but that's not repentance. It's not repentance. Here's the third one. Repentance is not doing penance. It's not doing some deed to pay for the sin you've committed. It's not turning back to some religious act of service so that you can make right the thing that you've done wrong. When a person repents, what they do is they 
unite themselves in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he's provided. They unite themselves in faith to the finished work that he provided for us when he died on the cross for our sins and he rose again from the grave and he ascended as our priest bearing the blood of his sacrifice before the throne of God interceding for us. And we trust in him alone. What a penance does is say, I will add to that work. I'll put a little of my good deeds on top of it and that will make up for it. See, a person who cast himself completely upon the work of Jesus Christ and the merits of his sacrifice steps away from his sin completely. The person who does penance can do penance all the while renewing himself to continue living in his sin. He's the person who say, well, I did this, but I'll just pay off by doing a little bit of that before God, not knowing that the payment has to come completely out of Christ's hands and has when you know that and you see that and you recognize that, oh, you abandon your sin. You leave it entirely and you come back weeping to Him. You trust in Him alone. Taking up God's position against me, against myself, against my sins, against my self-righteousness, against any thought that anything could satisfy me other than Him. It's not remorse. It's not making resolutions. It's not doing penance. Bread of Life Radio is a represented ministry of the International Mission of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work around the world, go to cpeonline.org or traincpe.org. And to learn more about our local fellowship, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Your financial gifts make possible this ministry and our work to make disciples of Christ among the nations. Until the next time, May God bless you.